Well, let me open this in prayer, and we'll crank up, and we'll uh, continue what I started last week, how to think like a Christian. Father, thank you so much for this day. Uh, God, I pray for our guys, and as we uh, uh, dive into your word uh, today, let us, uh, let us hear uh, well uh, what, um, what, what you say to us and how you would challenge us. God, move us beyond our thinking to reality. To, to realize where we are in our climate, our culture, uh, in our space, uh, uh, that we need to uh, defend our faith, but we need to do it graciously and uh, do it well. And so, uh, God, I just, uh, for those of our guys that are out this week, just uh, out today, um, just uh, lingering uh, season of getting back after it at the office uh, after a three-day weekend, pray that they're refreshed and encouraged. Pray that we would be the same. Uh, in, your, in your name we pray. Amen. All right, as we uh, as we remember last week, we talked about how to think. Everybody answers four questions. They have to come up with four basic questions in life. Um, number one is, where did it all come from? How did we get here? Why am I here? Why is anything here? If you haven't pondered that, you're one of the few. Why is anything here? The next question is, what's my purpose? Whatever my, uh, uh, we all know what our start date is. If you don't remember your start date, uh, uh, it was back there sometime. We all know there is an end date. We don't know that. By the way, we're, we're taking reservations for memorial services in the new chapel. If you want to go ahead and sign up and tell us a date. Uh, we, we all know we're going to end up there, right? What's my purpose between point A and point B or beginning and end? Everybody wants to know their purpose. And uh, everybody will come up with a question to that. The next thing is everybody wants to know morality. Uh, even in the church, even in conservative Christians, we disagree, right? I remember the big debate when I was growing up uh, was, uh, was whether you could listen to rock music or not rock music. How many, anybody ever grow up, anybody grow up in that climate? Or uh, the big debate, and I remember I used to, you know, could you go see an R movie or just a PG or just a G, right? How many of you remember those debates, right? R's okay if religious audiences only is what that R stands for. Um, no, I'm, I'm kidding. You make that call. But I remember that was a massive debate. I remember that was a massive debate. And people really, you really graded your spirituality based on whether you saw PG or R-rated movies. And they came out PG-13 and threw everybody off uh, for a while. Uh, but they're always, I mean, we, we debate morality inside the church as well. But outside the church, people debate, debate morality. They'll say, you Christians, you say this is wrong or that wrong. And if you remember the debate, I, I talked to you a little bit last week, whether it's same-sex marriage or, or whether it's drinking or whether it's uh, pot or whether it's something else or, you know, what you can do and what, can, what you cannot do. Everybody wants to know what is right, what is wrong, and then we all define where we draw the lines. And the truth is, and the reality of it is, um, if you're prepared for that argument, everybody draws a line somewhere. Everybody draws a line somewhere. The question is, why do I draw it where I draw it? And what is my support? Is it biblical? Is it personal? Is it an opinion? Uh, and we need to be honest about those. Even as believers, guys, we need to understand, hey, this was a clear line that was in Scripture. That this is, you know, like the Ten Commandments. Those are very clear lines. Whether you go see a PG or an R movie, that's an opinion. 
All right? Now, you can, you can base it off some scriptures, and here's what I want to do. I don't want to defile myself. But the reality of it is there are a lot of things, that, a lot of decisions we have to make in our life that they're not specifically lined out in scripture, okay? Um, then the final thing is where we're headed. And so we're going to talk about those four things today. Now, if you remember, we started last week looking at Jeremiah chapter 2, uh, and we said that uh, as Israel went into decline, Israel, like us in the church was always doing this, right? They were returning to God. They would worship the one true God. And then all of a sudden there would be this religious or spiritual drift uh, where they would drift downhill or away from God. Uh, they would begin to worship other gods. They would, uh, uh, their morality would, um, uh, would wane. And we, we have to understand we do that same thing. But as a culture, there were certain things that we pointed out from, uh, from Jeremiah chapter 2. If you weren't here last week, there were four basic things that we saw in Jeremiah 2 that caused a decline. One is um, basically an ancestral demise, that, that the parents and the grandparents just got a little further away every generation from worshiping the one true God, worshiping just. And so we always want to be careful that uh, as believers, that we don't take a step further away from trusting God's Word and worshiping God fully, and then the next generation takes a step, and the next generation, and we saw that, that there was an ancestral demise, that the parents and the parents continued to drift away. Then the next thing we saw uh, was basically um, uh, the prophets, the preachers, the teachers, uh, they begin to uh, veer off course. They begin to preach what was palatable to the people. They begin to tickle people's ears. Uh, and when that happens, that's a problem. Now, there are always, we can look around society today, right? And we could probably point out some preachers and teachers who it sure seems to be that the one thing they want to do when they preach is fill their pocketbooks. And, and, and a lot of times I hear people say, well, the church today, Anybody ever say that? The church today or preachers today. The truth is, here's what you need to know. It's not just today, it's been every day. There's always been people that have been propagating the gospel and preaching the gospel and preaching the Bible for profit. How do we know this? Philippians chapter 1. Paul says some people preach the gospel because they are greedy for gain. Okay, so no, this is not new. The contemporary church is just like the New Testament church. When you say, man, their immorality in the church or the lack of commitment in the church, it's just like the New Testament church. How do we know that? Because we have the New Testament. Why did Paul write to the Corinthian church? Because they were messed up. Does that make sense? We need to understand that the church today is just like the church. There are those that are incredibly faithful. There are those that are in the middle. There are those that are walking away. There are some people that like to hang around the church just because they like to line their pocketbooks. So we need to understand that there's nothing different about that today. And so that was the second stage. The, the parents and the generations became uh, uh, less faithful. Uh, the prophets became less faithful to preach God's word and teach God's word. Then nationally. Their political leaders begin to lead them astray. Remember Solomon. It didn't take long after David, although David had his massive blunder. He had Psalm 51. He confessed. He returned to God. He was still considered, uh, uh, in God's eyes, a man after his own heart, after a major and massive moral failure. But then Solomon came along. Remember Solomon pray, started off so well. God said, Solomon, pray for anything that you want. Solomon didn't pray for wealth. He didn't pray for power. 
He didn't pray for anything like that. What did he pray for? Wisdom. God granted him wisdom. And if you go look at the Proverbs, there are some amazing, amazing Proverbs and, and lines of thought of wisdom. Man, just read. If you, don't, if, you, if you just have never been in a daily pattern of reading Scripture, just, just read a proverb a day. Now, what do we know about Solomon's life? If he would have just taken his own, own advice from, from Proverbs, how many of you know he'd have been a lot better off, right? Because what did he do? He, he all of a sudden began to realize, not only am I powerful, I'm wealthy, I'm wise. Um, man, I'm, I'm a pretty handsome dude, and I pretty much have the ability uh, to cut an agreement with anybody who wanted to be a trading partner. And in the deal, this is me just kind of baselining Solomon's life, and in the deal when I'm cutting this argument, if they've got a cute daughter, I'm going to say, hey, why don't you throw the daughter in the deal? And that's how you end up with all of those wives and all of those concubines, right? Can you imagine all the mother-in-laws? That would be a pain. Uh, where do you spend Christmas morning? That's a difficult decision. But Solomon, man, just, and then, then the, the kingdom divided. And then when you read First and Second Kings and First and Second Chronicles, particularly the northern kingdom, it was one king after another king after another king that he did evil in the sight of the Lord. He did evil in the sight of the Lord. He did evil in the sight of the Lord. Now, if all those weren't... All those weren't bad enough. Then you'll read about someone, one of the kings, who says, and he did more evil than all those who came before him. Now, let me tell you what. That is not what you want uh, on your gravestone, all right, after everybody had done evil in the sight of the Lord, and you were the one that did more evil than everybody else who had done before them. And so you had the political leaders had gone astray. So, man, the, the, the people begin to walk away. The prophets begin to water down the message. Then all of a sudden, their leaders, their judges, and their uh, political leaders begin to drift away as well. And, and then what happened is finally, and we saw this in Jeremiah chapter 2, verse 13, the people just said, enough is enough, I walk away. And so that's kind of the decline. Now, if we ever get in those seasons of life, and there are times that people act this way and talk to this way, and, and I don't put it put it exactly this way, but there are a lot of times that someone will come to me and we'll go have a cup of coffee or breakfast or, or lunch or something like that, and someone's life is a mess, and someone's life is a mess, and I begin to ask them, well, where have you been spiritually? Where have you been in your walk with the Lord? Where have you been in your faith for the last year or two years or three years or four years? And, and the truth is that uh, they haven't had a walk with God. They haven't been committed to their faith. A lot of their business decisions or personal decisions, they haven't consulted God about the house they're going to buy or the car they're going to drive or any of that. Does that make sense? And now all of a sudden they find themselves uh, in ruin. And they want to know, and this is, will be a question they will ask, how could God let this happen to me? And, and uh, I don't, I'm, not, I'm not always dishonest, but the reality of it is I tracked back over the la their life for the last 12 months or 24 months or 36 months or 48 months. They hadn't consulted God anyway. And I do want you to know, guys, and this is where we want to be careful and cautious and kindly encourage others, is that if we are headed in the wrong direction, if you are headed in the wrong direction and you choose to reject what God says... God will second your emotion. God will second your emotion. If you say, God, I don't want you. I'm going to do my own thing. I'm going to live my own way. I'm going to be committed to my own things. God will say, I second the motion. Do it your way and see how it turns out. 
Now, we also need to understand there are people who walk with the Lord and they're committed to their faith and they love God and they, they seek God's heart on all decisions. And guess what? They still have bad doctor's appointments. They still get discouraging news. Then you can sit there and say, hey, where was God in this? And what's God going to do with me in my life? And so we need to understand that as we roll. So as we talk to today, and I want to encourage you to go to 1 Peter chapter 3. He referenced the verse, one of the verses we'll read. Um, anytime we come to God's word, uh, that, um, that the best thing we can do is study God's word and, and read, its word, read his word and then have it, have it placed in our hearts and on our heart. I love what um, Charles Spurgeon said. Uh, there was a big, uh, uh, years ago when I was growing up, uh, I think there was a book entitled Defending the Bible or something like that, Defending the Bible. And part of what you do in apologetics and is not apologize for your faith. You defend uh, God's word and you have good arguments. Uh, I love what Spurgeon said years ago. He says, defending the Bible is like defending a lion. You don't need to defend the lion. You just need to let it out. How many of you know what I'm talking about? All right? The lion will defend itself. And, and that's where we need to understand. And, and something that Ron will talk you through, guys, is this reality that, um, that we have a tendency as Christians, because we can't answer the tough questions, we put the Bible over here in church and we keep it in church. Does that make sense? And we try to hide it in church. And then we think science rules the day. But the truth is we just need to release the Bible. And the Bible will defend itself. It is like a lion. All we have to do is let it go. We don't need to define it, uh, defend it. We just need to be willing to talk it, share it, and stand up for it, all right, and not shrink back. Instead of hiding the fact that I read my Bible or I go to church, man, we need to let it out. Let God's word, man, God's word is sharper than any two-edged sword. And so we just need to let it out. I, I love it when people take God's word and will lay it out for people to see in culture. I love when people do that. Because guess what? The Bible will defend itself. You just share it and the Bible will defend itself. Now we also need to know how, how do I defend the fact that, man, some of the things that happened in the Old Testament look pretty harsh, right? We need to know how to answer those questions. And that's kind of, those are the kind of things that Ron will talk about. So now as we journey forward, let me read 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 3 to 13 to 17. He says, who is going to harm you if you are eager to do good? He says, but even if you should suffer for what is right, you are blessed. He says, do not fear their threats and do not be frightened. Here's the verse that he quoted. But in your hearts... Revere Christ as Lord, always being prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. Now, always be prepared to give an answer. Guys, we have to always be prepared. Now, notice what he says. He says, always be prepared. What does that mean? That there are times that we have to know and anticipate the questions that are going to come up. We have to know our culture. We have to know our culture. What are the questions that people are going to ask? If I'm in the office place, they're going to ask questions about what? And this is the beauty of if you want to write these four things, know these answers. People are going to ask questions about the origin of everything. They're going to ask questions of their purpose in life. People are going to ask questions and talk to you about right and wrong. People are going to talk to you about their destiny. 
And if you can answer those four things, you can engage in any culture. And that's why Peter said, always be prepared. Now, we have to be prepared that we grew up in a different culture than Jesus did. How many of you knew that? Jesus grew up in a culture that was dominated basically uh, by the Jewish leaders of the day who had cut a deal with the pagan Roman rulers of the day. All right? That was his culture. Now, although, although they're not exactly the same, that's a lot of our culture, right? There are going to be people on one end of the religious spectrum. There are going to be people on the other end of the religious spectrum. There are going to be people who, are, who act like pagans and live like pagans, and those are called deacons, right? And then they're going to... Uh, and, and then they're going to... Uh, <laughs> Uh, we're even getting some pointing. We're getting some pointing going in there. He says, move on, pastor, move on. Uh, no, we just need to know our culture. But although some of the questions today might be different or framed differently or different adjectives or, or ultimately questions, they're the same questions that people were asking of Jesus. What did they ask of Jesus? How do you know what is right and wrong? What's my purpose in life? Where am I headed? Where do I come from? That's what Jesus talked about. Why? Guess what, Jesus? Let me give you one, one argument. Remember when the guys came to Jesus? You can see it in Mark chapter 10 and Matthew chapter 18, both, uh, both similar circumstances. They asked Jesus about marriage, right? And what did Jesus say? But from the beginning of creation, what is he starting with? The origin. Who started it all? Who put it all together? He's talking about marriage, but guess what? He answered a question. All right? Now, in today's, they're going to say, well, all right, what makes you think God created everything? Well, then you ask a question, well, what makes you think anything like this could have happened by chance? And what, what, what in life? Then what did he do? He said, but from the beginning of creation, God created them male and female. What was he saying? That's a truth statement, morality, male and female. Then he said what? He says, why? Once a man is married to a wife, what God has joined together, let no man separate. What is he saying? He, he answered right there an origin question, a meaning question, and a morality question. Three of the four questions he dropped in right there in that answer. And we got to learn to do the same thing. And so the only way we can do it is we can be prepared. I want you to know no one here is expected, and this is why Ron does these classes. We do other classes like that. No one needs to think that I should just know all this stuff intuitively. Why? Because the questions change. But every challenge to your faith, you can lump into one of those, one of those four categories. One of those four categories. You can lump them. And so he says, listen... We have to always be prepared to give a reason for the hope that, is, that you have. Well, that's important, but notice how it starts. But in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. So we start with a faithful commitment. That's why Israel got in so much trouble. What had they done? They had walked away from their faith. So they ended up in trouble. So for us, we have to stay committed to our walk with Christ, studying his words and living his words. And he goes, then, then what? He goes on and he says, listen, but do, do this with gentleness and respect. In other words, if you get in, engaged in a, a, a confrontation in the office, don't, uh, don't be a jerk. That comes from the Greek word jerkamos, right? All right? I mean, don't be a big jerk. You know, you're an idiot. 
man, what do you do? You begin to talk. You begin to have a conversation. Well, let, let's dig into that a little bit deeper. Hey, you want to go have a cup of coffee at Starbucks or something like that? You want Because that's a good question. Let, let's talk. Man, he says do it with gentleness and respect. A lot of times we lose our Christian witness because we don't respect where someone's come from. Now, there's a difference between respect and approval. There's a difference between respect and approval. Approval means I'm going to approve of whatever you do. Well, you, you shouldn't be able to do that as a Christian. I don't even approve. Let me be honest with you. This is before seven. As you're, I don't even approve of everything I do. How many would agree with that? Yeah, I don't even approve of everything I do. He said, he said man, you know, part of gentleness and respect doesn't drive people off. We've got we to walk with people, and we've got to have conversations with people. We have legitimate conversations with people, and let them, let them at least be attracted to a graciousness in a heart, although I may vehemently disagree. There'd be some graciousness in, in the way we It's the same. Anybody notice what's going on politically in our country? Yeah, yeah. That, it always cracks me up, but this is a great example, best one I can ever use. A lot of people, uh, the old-time church people will say, hey, why don't we vote on this? Hey, let me tell you what. I have never known a church vote that brings people together just like when we vote on a president. We don't all bring, get brought together as a, as a church. Now, we've got committees. We've got people that lead. We've got people besides us that make decisions. But a lot of people, well, let's take this before the church on a Sunday morning and let them vote on it. I'm like, that ain't happening. That ain't happening because as soon as I vote against you, I remember that I voted against you and you remember that I voted against me. And you know what I'm saying? Guess what? I want your position to fail because I want to always be right. That's just the reality. But here we go. Uh, gentleness and respect. All right, so what do we got to answer? So now let me just give you a couple of thoughts, all right? I, I think first thing we got to do is I want to ask the question, why don't some Christians hold to a Christian worldview? on origin, meaning, morality, and ultimately our destiny. Why don't they? Let me give you a couple of thoughts. I, I think one, and this is, um, I think we throw Christians under the bus more for this one than this is reality, who they are. I, I think some people are more concerned with what the world thinks than what God thinks about them. I think there are some Christians who are more concerned about what the world thinks about them than what God thinks about them. Now, I also will tell you that although I put it first, and we probably have a tendency to use that against people, I don't know that that's the number one reason that some people don't act like Christians in the world. We all want approval, don't we? I mean, we all want some sort of, some level, some layer of approval. We all want some sort of approval. Uh, if, uh, if you own a business, you would like your employees to approve of you. Uh, if you're in sales, you want your, your clients to approve of you by buying. If you're an engineer or whatever you are um, in your financial world, you, you want approval. We all want it at some level. But I don't necessarily think that's the number one reason that some don't do it. But if you want a reason, in Proverbs chapter 29, you might write this down. It says, fear of man will prove to be a snare for you, but whoever trusts in the Lord is kept safe. Here's the reality. If we live our lives as believers, afraid of the, what the world thinks about us, we will catch ourselves in our own snare. All right? We can't be afraid to be open about our faith, to be open to be salt and light. Light is not supposed to be hid. All right? We remember that from Matthew chapter 5. You are salt and you are light. We don't hide it under a bushel. We don't do anything. Salt is not to be kept in the salt shaker. I would say the church, guys. The church is the salt shaker. 
When we break the huddle on Sunday mornings after your life groups or after, after my life group or after the message, after worship, we are the salt leaving the shaker. How many of you know what I'm talking about? I mean, literally, when we leave out of here, we need to be the salt. We need to be the light. And I think there are times that if we aren't careful, we can be afraid of mankind. We can be afraid of people. Now, if you are, it'll be your snare. It'll be your snare. I think there's another reason. Let me give you another reason that I think some people, um, I, I think some people, and this, this I think is probably more likely in our day and age, some people just simply get deceived by the lies of the world. What was mentioned over here is, is science. Uh, science is one of these spaces. Let me tell you what, all true and real science, I'm going to quote uh, uh, my man, my friend from Auburn, it's God's science. It's God's science. It never, it never, ever, ever scares me when a new scientific discovery happens. It doesn't. Now, what scares me is the philosophy that leads them to a very poor conclusion that science, the science does not justify I want you to hear me and hear me well. Great scientists can say stupid things with great evidence. And just because a great scientist says something doesn't make it great science. I want you to know that. Just like a pastor, a great pastor, a, 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 a Chuck Swindoll or, or somebody like that, a great pastor every once in a while can say some dumb things. Now, if you don't believe this is true, hang around, listen to me. The difference between me and Chuck Swindoll is this. He manuscripts every sermon. That's why it's just clear, it's precise. That's just not the way my ADD mind works, okay? I study and I study and I stuff it in there and stuff it in there and I stuff it in there on Sunday morning, some of y'all know, and then it just starts coming out. It just starts coming out. And people will, they, it's always interesting, the tech team or some of the volunteers who start volunteering on the tech team, all of a sudden they're in, they're in two of my sermons, same day. And they'll go, you, you didn't say sound anything in the second service. Like you, I just didn't feel as I read the scripture, all of a sudden, man, I remember I studied this Greek word and I studied this Greek word and all of a sudden it seems to flow well. And that's the way I do it. And all of a sudden, I'll tell one illustration, and uh, usually if I'm telling an illustration on my wife, you'll know she's going to be in the next service, okay? That's really the way those, you, you can look around and be assured Gene is not in here because he's going to get in trouble. Uh, but, but the truth is, we need to understand, some people are just deceived. They're deceived. And so, always remember this, just because some great scientist who seems to have some abstract idea says something, you know, a couple of years ago, remember these people that were talking about the origin of the universe, then, then guess what? It looked like, sure enough, there was an origin of the universe. And they couldn't explain as they begin to dig down further and further in molecules and the DNA, they could, they could explain less and less about how chance made all this happen. So then all of a sudden they said, well, there must be some multiverse. What are they saying? Well, and then we go, yeah. And you're like, you're an idiot. You're an idiot. 
You know, they're, they're, they're still, you, you got the same complexity that has to come together to make it all happen. So don't get caught up in the snares and the lies of the world. Here's what 2 Corinthians chapter 11. Now, notice I'm going back to Scripture on every one of these. That's why I want to encourage you that it's not any different today than it was in God's Word. It's the same thing. They're asking the same questions. They're just putting in different adjectives and ultimately different sets of facts. Here's 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 3. He says, but I'm afraid that just as Eve was deceived by the serpent's cunning, that your mind somehow would be led astray from your sincere and pure devotion to Christ. Guess what Paul was saying there? He's going, Satan, uh, Satan deceived Eve. How many of you know that and believe that? How many of you believe that Satan can deceive you and me? All right. He says, not only did Satan deceive Eve, so he's talking to the Corinthian church, he goes, I'm afraid that some of you are also being deceived. So Eve was deceived. The people in the Corinthian church were deceived. Why wouldn't we be able to be deceived today by Satan? He's just using different mechanisms. When Satan showed up to Eve, Satan didn't show up to Eve and deceive her with science. Well, guess what? Satan didn't show up to deceive the Corinthians with science that we have today either. Why? Because we didn't have the advancements we have. He chose to show up and deceive them with certain things and different teachings and different methodologies. So we need to understand some people are just deceived. I think there's a, another reason that people don't think like Christians, don't hold a biblical worldview. Um, uh, some are swayed by their circumstances. I see this one a lot. Some are swayed by their circumstances. What, what does that mean? Man, all of a sudden, uh, and, and these are always crushing as, as a pastor, um, a, a nephew dies, a tsunami. I've walked, my family walked with the Lord or somebody I know close to me walked with the Lord. I will tell you just uh, uh, this past Saturday, uh, a, a family um, a friend of ours who uh, just just great Christian family, walk with the Lord, serve in their church faithfully, um, a, a local family. They, they buried the mom who had pan pancreatic cancer. Boy, and, and it hit hard. Well, guess what? Two months before that, their son, who's my daughter Jensen's age, was killed in a car wreck up in Anna. Can you imagine that family? Just boom, boom. And, and sometimes we are swayed by circumstances. We, 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 are, we, we struggle, we drift. We're like, man, how could God let this happen? Anybody ever ask that question? You ever ask it for somebody, ask it for yourself? And, and that's why I want to say I, I don't believe that we always want to throw people under the bus and say, oh, they just care, care what the world thinks. I think there are some people that are that way. I think there are some people who are strong in their faith who go into science or go into certain psychology. Let me tell you what. If you're going to be a scientist or a sociologist or a psychologist, you better either. If you're going to, if you're going to hold the Christian banner high, you better have some internal fortitude because you're going to be laughed at like crazy by some places you might end up working. All right? But the, but the truth is, man, some people care about the approval of the world. That's not it. Some others are, I think some people are deceived. I do think a lot of people are deceived. Third one, I think, I think a lot of times circumstances. 
will cause people just to drift in their walk. And we've got to be sensitive to that, all right? Notice uh, what Scripture said. Here's what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 14, verse 30. He says, But when he saw the wind, he was afraid, and beginning to sink, he cried out. What's the answer? You go read that story. That's Peter walking on water, right? Remember Peter? Man, Peter, the Lord, walking across the water to him. Uh, Peter looked at Jesus and said, Hey, hey, hey Lord, uh, if, I can, if you say I can come to you, I'll come to you. Jesus said, Well, come on. Then what happened? Peter began to walk on water. That would be cool. How many of you think, man, that, that would be cool. I'd love to walk on water for a season. You remember, as long as he kept his eyes on Jesus, everything was fine. Go read the context of Matthew chapter 14. What caused him to sink? There you go. He began to look around. He began to notice, whoa, 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 there's water, it's deep, the wind is blowing, and it's raining, right? So that's what happens to us. We begin to look around. What did Peter say? Peter said, in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. If you want to stay strong in your faith, always keep your eyes on Jesus because the more we get distracted by circumstances, the more we're going to sink. And there are times that we as believers need to be more gracious. We as believers need to be more gracious. Why is someone sinking in their faith? What happened? What are they looking at? What was the wind of change? You know, did, did my husband walk out of me? Did my wife walk out of me? Did all of a sudden my kids, kids turn away? Man, that's where we want to be careful. That our circumstances are one of the reasons. So I think that people don't walk with a Christian mindset. One is because some are more concerned with what others think about them. Some are just flat out deceived by the lies of the world. Some uh, are swayed by their circumstances. Um, I think this one probably is, is the number one answer of all. Some people simply just don't know well enough what the Bible says. I think, I think some people just don't know what the Bible says. And so someone will come up and sit, make some crazy thing. What about all the errors in the Bible? And you know I can't defend all the errors in the Bible. But I haven't been trained well enough to say, tell me what you mean. And where did you discover those? And which errors are you talking about? Oh, in the manuscripts. Ah, and we don't know what the Bible says. I, I love this, 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 15. Uh, it says, do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, as a worker who does not need to be ashamed and who correctly handles the word of truth. Man, we as workers need to study God's word so that we can correctly handle the word of truth. So as you make your journey today, and I'm, I've actually got more, by the way. We're going to come back. We're going to make this into a C because I've got a lot more. So as you make your journey today, when you encounter someone who doesn't think like you, isn't, let's say start with they're not a Christian, begin to ask them questions that relate to their origin, their meaning, the purpose in life, their morality in life, and their destiny. Remember what, uh, when it comes to our destiny, remember what uh, Solomon says, we all learn more in the house of mourning than we do in the house of rejoicing. What was he saying? It doesn't matter how old you are. When you go sit down in someone else's funeral, how many of you think about someday this is going to be you? Well, let me tell you what. 
people who haven't been in church in 10 years, 15 years, or 20 years, they think the same thing. And so then, so if you don't know someone out of faith, begin to think about those areas. If you know someone that used to be more faithful, and you're going to try to invite them to your life group or invite them to class or invite them here or invite them, they say, yeah, I used to go to church. Begin to think in your mind, why might they have drifted in their walk? Were they trying to win the world's approval? There are some. Were they deceived by the lies of the world? There are many. Were they swayed by some difficult circumstance in their life? And guess how you answer? You just ask a question. Hey, tell me about your family. Man, a lot of times I'll, I'll hear someone, I used to go to church, I used to go to this, and then all of a sudden I'll sit down with them, and guess what? They'll talk about a son passing away or a sister passing away, and their family stopped going to church. That's a circumstance that swayed them. So now what do I do? I connect. And, and with gentleness and respect, I begin to draw them back in. Because the truth is, they may have drifted in their faith, but when they're not in their faith and they're not revering Christ in their hearts, they can't answer the questions. Where did I come from? Why am I here? What's right and wrong? Where am I headed? And then finally, sometimes they just don't know what the Bible says. So next week, we're going to dig into those a little more. And so my encouragement is listen this week with gentleness and respect. Let me close this in prayer. And uh, Father, thank you so much for this day. Uh, God, I thank you for these guys. I, I thank you that they're passionate about their faith. Lord, as we leave here, let us all first and foremost try to revere you as our Lord, to, to honor you in everything that we think and everything that we do. God, let us be open. Let our hearts and minds be open to uh, those who are struggling around us to answer those questions, those who used to be uh, faithfully committed, those who have never been faithfully committed. Let us, let us listen to the questions they talk about of origin and meaning and purpose and ultimately the destiny. God, let us um, engage them in the conversation uh, of, uh, with gentleness and respect. God, if we need to be more prepared for those conversations, let us be more prepared. In Jesus' name we pray, amen and amen. God bless you guys. Y'all have a great day. Invite your buddies back. Ask them where they were today. <laughs> I haven't even looked in there.